Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Podcast. I'm your host, Miss AJ. Thanks for tuning in. An oasis is something that provides refuge, relief, or pleasant contrast. And that is exactly what you will find tuning into the Oasis Podcast. This is a space where I and special guests will be cultivating intentional and honest conversations about life's journey. Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and watch us on YouTube now. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Oasis Podcast. Thank you all for joining us again. And today we have our one of our podcast favorites, Miss Ayana. Hey, girl. Yes. <laughs> So today we are talking about a topic, actually, that quite a few people who've heard the podcast previously heard your story, and they wanted more information. It was like, oh, can you get her to talk about what her process been with foster care and all this stuff? So I'm like, why not? Right? Like, why not really put this topic out there? One of those, I think, areas that people don't really know a lot about. They hear Mm -hmm. things, but they're not sure about, and or they may not even know anyone who's actually been through the process. So I think this would be a great topic, especially for our community. Absolutely. A lot of our community, a lot of people and our kids in our community has been impacted by foster care system. Absolutely. I think talking about the foster care system and what can come out of the system and how you can utilize the system to do so much good can be helpful to all of us. So let's go ahead and jump into the topic. But before we do that, I know you've been doing some things, so go ahead talk about them things. <laughs> them things be thanging. Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? I'm excited to be here and talk about this. It's near and dear to my heart, so this is dope. We're going to get into it. I am Ayana. I'm so glad to be back. I am an author, a mental health professional educator. I recently dropped two books last year, so I'm a three-time published author now. And uh, I am releasing a trilogy series. So I dropped book one back in May, Half of What You See, The Scars of Love. And book two came right up after that in December, recently dropped that, None of What You Hear, Redemption and Repairs. And it's some it's a page turner, I promise y'all. So if you want to get a good book to read, go to my website. And I know T will drop all that information, but www.harryreturn.com and grab those books. I'm working on a lot of things and I'm excited for what's to come this year. So please follow me on all the platforms under Harry Return to, you know, stay up to date with that. But I'm good. I'm glad to talk about foster care and get into it today. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. You know, a lot of people are learning and growing and really just taking in the information that we've been giving, the experiences we've been having. And if we can help someone move forward and do something special for some for a child out here. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's it. That's really the end goal. Help these babies, help these children in need, help these families in need. Right. Right. Because there's so, so much more layers to it than I think a lot of people are aware of. Right. Yes. So for those, let's say we have listeners who this is the first episode they're listening to. Give them a little background on you and your connection to foster care. Sure. So uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I began the process to become a foster parent. I've always wanted to be a parent, of course, trying natural way, having some 
fertility issues there, never having a child of my own, I still had the desire in my heart to be a parent. And, you know, our last episode was all about spirituality versus religion. And so go back and watch that episode, y'all. Okay. So that you know where, where I stand on spirituality, but following and being obedient to spirit, I had a dream that I should adopt. And it just came to me in a dream that I should adopt. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to be obedient. I hear you, universe, source, God, whatever you want to call it. And so I looked into the traditional adoption way, which most people call domestic adoption. If you Google, it'll come up as domestic adoption. And I found out that it was quite expensive, easily $50,000 to adopt a child in need in state, in, in the United States. And then if you talk about international adoption, you add on another 50 for travel and expenses and all of that and all the international fees that you have to pay to bring a child into America. So I was like, ain't nobody just got 50 grand <laughs> sitting around to get a child. And it really did kind of feel like buying a baby, which just morally just didn't feel right with me. You know, when we can get to the history of how they sold, stole and sold children in this country and children are very profitable in this country. And so it didn't feel right with me to pay $50,000 when there were so many children in need. And through my search of trying to do traditional adoption, foster to adopt came up. Mm. And so I said, okay, well, let me look into that. I had no idea, like most people, I, I didn't know anybody who fostered before my me in my immediate circle, my immediate friends and family. And so I just did internet searches. I started to look up what was fostering to adopt. How did it work? How much did that cost? And I stumbled across Siemens Society, an agency in New York City, and filled out an application. And this was back in like November... 2020. Filled out the application, got a response right away. You want to be a foster parent? Great. We're going to set you up with a home visit. The caseworker's going to come and meet you and basically talk to you about the process of becoming a foster parent. And if you're interested, then you'll, you'll complete the process. And the ball went rolling. I had like my first visit, maybe the end of November, beginning of December. I was enrolled in a 10-week foster parent class you have to take classes and we can talk about that whole process finish that in February so around this time it was is it was ending 10 weeks it was accelerated because it was COVID so we did it all virtually in person fast (laughs) it it went super quick and I mean that's how spirit work in my life I don't know about y'all out there in the world but when I'm obedient to spirit and spirit tell me to do something and then I say okay I'm gonna take one step I be 20 steps ahead because spirit's like, oh, she listening. Okay, we're going to accelerate this. So it happened so quick. I finished the class in February and March 14th, March 12th, I got my placement call. March 14th, my daughter at 10.35 a.m. I still remember the time. It's like I had, it's like I gave birth. My daughter was dropped off to my house by ACS and I, I've had her ever since. And she was 11 days old when she came to me. Like I said, it happened so quickly. It doesn't always happen that way. And I don't want to set people up to believe like you're going to do it and you're going to have a baby in three months like I did right. or, or five months like I did. But the process is the same for everybody who wants to be a foster parent. 
and I can, I guess, jump into that. Yeah. But that's my story. So I currently have a 10 month old daughter named Trinity, who she probably will make an appearance because she's not napping right now. She's in the living room. But if she starts to turn up, I'll go get her and y'all can meet her. But I've had her since she was 11 days old. She is in transition in her care. And we'll talk about care and what it means for a child to be in foster care. And I am on track to adopt, but I have not yet adopted her. So she is still considered a ward of the state, property of the state, a foster child. And I care for her in the capacity as a foster parent in the state, but she's mine. That's my child. That's my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I intend to adopt her. That's the plan. Okay. I mean, Miss Trinity has made her appearance a few times on the podcast. So we all know, well, not all of us, but those who have been following the podcast and looking at the episodes, first of all, Miss Trinity looks like your baby. (laughs) Okay. So there's no way that was not the vibe. Okay. So we talk about that all the time, but just even hearing your process, like, it was, I mean, five months, but at least from hearing it, you or see you go through it, felt like it was like, you know, like it happened it felt like that. Right. It happened quickly. But I don't know, and I'm not sure if you have any information to this, but the fact maybe it was COVID that made it, you know, move. COVID helped. COVID helped accelerate the the classes. So the classes are called MAP training and it's a parent class. Foster parents have to be licensed to be foster parents. So that's, I've, I've seen in the community, I'm on a couple of groups on Facebook and Instagram and the running joke in foster parents is like, yo, I'm licensed to be a parent. Like, like that's the running joke that we have to have and maintain a license to be a foster parent. And in order to get a license, you have to go through certain requirements. So one is your home has to be approved as a foster home. So the first person you meet is a home finder caseworker, which means they come into your home, they meet with you, they go over the necessary paperwork, and they check your home out for required safety measures. So you got to have things like fire extinguishers. You have to have the bars on the window. If you're, you know, above the first floor, you have to have a fire exit that is clear, nothing blocking it. You have to have working smoke and CO2 detectors. You have to have adequate space for the age group that you want to foster. They do ask you your age range of what you want to foster. I knew that I wanted infant zero to two. And honestly, I couldn't get approved for anything but zero to two because I'm in a one bedroom apartment. And so any child three or over, I believe, has to have their own room. So I wouldn't have been able to even ask for like a four-year-old or a five-year-old because they would have to have their own bedroom and I didn't have the space. So what I was approved for, what my home that I'm currently in was approved for was zero to two because of the space. And so basically it's like an inventory. So you have to have your home approved by the home finder. They do a background check for you. You have to do fingerprints. You have to do a medical. Okay. I didn't know they did medical. They do do a medical. Well, it's not really a medical, but they tell you to take the form to your doctor and fill it out. And they just want to know your medical history. They want to know if you got six months to live, they're not going to leave a kid with you. Not being funny, but they want to know that you're in good health and can take care of a child. It won't, it might not deter you if you have health ailments. They won't deny you if you're like a diabetic. They're not going to be, oh, you're diabetic, you can't get no kids. And there are people who foster well into mature age 
but they do ask you to have a medical form filled out by your physician and signed off from. So you have to do a fingerprint with the state registry because they want to make sure that you don't have any crimes against children on your fingerprints. And you have to do a medical form. And then it was a slew of paperwork, like thousands of papers you have to sign and read and agree to and test to. And so, you know, usually the first visit, your house is not approved. Most people have one thing that's missing or something else is missing because it's a list of things that you have to have in order for your house to be approved. But it's still a process. So it's not okay if the first time the home finder comes there and they're like, you, you need all this stuff. You ain't got no fire extinguisher. You have time to get it. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with a wonderful woman in Siemens Society and I'm going to big her up. Corinne is her name. She was she is wonderful and, and passionate about her job and passionate about finding homes that are suitable for these children in need. And she came to my home like three or four times during this process, the beginning process. And it was like, twice a month. So in two months, I saw her about four times, but she also taught the parent classes. And so that was expedited because it was virtual because of COVID, but usually it's in person and it's 10 weeks, but they reduced it to about six weeks because we were doing it virtual. So they did it twice a week. So I was meeting every Monday and Wednesday for three hours Mm-hmm. to take these parent classes with different foster parents. And some foster parents were like recertifying, recertifying their license. And some were new like myself and had never been through the process. And the classes are really foundational courses to teach you about the system of foster care. What's the purpose of foster care and what you may come across. As a mental health professional, a lot of the knowledge that was shared, I already know just because of the profession I'm in, but they talk a lot about trauma and how children are traumatized and how that will show up in behavior and how you address behavior as a foster parent. They also touch a little bit on how the system works, but not too much. It really is on, this is what can happen when you get a kid in your house and can you navigate this? Mm -hmm. Can you navigate these behaviors? Can you navigate these personalities? Can you navigate the personalities of the families? And I wanna like stress this, foster care is about reunification. Like, I wish I could like put a banner (laughs) across the screen. Foster care is about reunification. That is the purpose of foster care. They are always going to try to reunify the children with their birth families. That's every child that goes into foster care. That is their first care plan. It doesn't matter the circumstances around why they were placed in foster care, how dire the circumstances are. The first plan for the child is reunification. And so you have to work around that plan. You as the foster parent, you're a facilitator in that plan. You have to help with reunification. Mm-hmm. You have to keep that in the forefront of your mind. And that's hard for some people, especially um, people who want to do foster to adopt like me, because you want to adopt. You want it to be permanent. You want some permanency with the children that come to you or you're, you're hoping for that. Yeah. But I had to immediately say that might not be the case. That might not be the case this time or the second time or the third time. My child will be my child when my child comes to me. But I had to keep reminding myself and my family who knew I was doing this process because they tell you to tell your family and friends that you're doing this because you need family and friends in this process Mm -hmm. that it's about reunification. So as much as you want to get attached to these little ones, they have families. They come from families. 
They come from mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, uncles, aunties, grandparents. And sometimes those people do what they need to do to reunify with their kids. Sometimes they don't. But the point of foster care is reunification. And they stress that in the training. And so that was drilled in for the five weeks that I was in the training, five or six weeks that I was in the training. And you have to do a whole bunch of paperwork. You got homework to do. You got homework assignments. You had to, I had to fill out a whole family history, like genealogy type of project. It's homework in it. Like it's actual classes and work that you have to turn in. And and, uh, you have to find at least two people in your life that are willing to go on file as being a backup babysitter for you if you ever need to leave your child with somebody and they have to also do fingerprints and a medical. And then once all your paperwork is done, all your classes are done and everything gets, of course, signed off and approved and it goes up the chain of command through supervisors because that takes time too. Every agency works differently. Some agencies are efficient and they get that paperwork through because they need foster parents. Other agencies, you know, turnover is real in the city right now. Turnover is real in social services. So they might not have a supervisor to sign off on it because somebody done quit. So that may, you know, belabor the process. But once everything is approved and signed off on, then you are told that you're licensed and then they pass your you the foster parent and your case as a foster parent off to the placement team and the placement team will call you with children that need homes based on what you can accept in your home. So for me, yeah, I mean, you definitely were blessed and I guess, and things kind of rolling through kind of seamlessly, essentially process because the, there's tons of different foster care agencies. Is this process the same across the agencies? There may be slight variations in the lessons that you get, the materials that you get, but the process is is the same because it's all regulated. It's all regulated by ACS. So there are foster agencies like Siemens Society, like Children's Aid. I'm trying to figure out some other names. I'm drawing a blank on other names, but there are countless but they're all regulated under ACS. And so they all have to check off that all of their foster parents are certified and licensed in the same way. So it is very, very regulated. It's not, you're not gonna, you can't skip over any of these steps. And if you find an agency that's like, oh no, we don't do that here. It's probably, you know, finaglement. And if they finagle with you to to become a foster parent, imagine how they're gonna treat you when you need them to help you deal with the foster kids that they're going to place with you. So you want an agency that is on the up and up and doing what they're supposed to do. But that is the process, nuts and bolts. You, you, your home finder comes to your home, approves the home. Your home has to be approved. You have to then be approved and go through the licensing requirements of being fingerprinted, a medical, and taking the classes. And then you get a child placed with you. Okay. So... Since you've been in the game now for just about over a year, right, from start to kind of the point where you are now, what have you found to be some common misconceptions about foster care? I think some common misconceptions is, you know, the child is going to come and just be outrageous. I got an infant, so, you know, she was 11 days. She didn't know nothing but feeding Mm -hmm. and, and diaper changes, but children are children, you know, and any child you get, any age that you get, any age that you're looking to get, understand that children are children and there's resiliency 
in children. They are placed in care because of neglect. Understand that. Some form of neglect, whether it be physical, emotional, sexual abuse, or educational neglect, or just neglect and feeding and taking and care, they are placed into foster care because of neglect and or abuse. Right. And so with that comes certain behaviors, with that comes certain traumas, but the child is not problematic. The child, it doesn't have, like, it's the child is not the issue. The issue is what the child experienced mm-hmm. and I promise you love and care and and security will help you deal with anything that that child comes, you know, in the door with. And so I think the common misconception is that the children in foster care are bad. That's not true. They're children. They're children who have had traumatic experiences and as a result have behaviors that they have developed because of those experiences, but they're not bad. Also, uh, a lot of people believe like the foster care agency is going to be all in your business. Like you can't move, you can't make a move. Like very, like they on it. Like some people are like, Oh, I got an AC case, ACS case on my back. Not necessarily. Like, honestly, they, they, they show up when they're supposed to, they do home visits and that's it. My home visits are like five, 10 minutes. Okay. You got your fire extinguisher. Okay. You got your alarms up. Okay. The baby look happy. Everything cool. Your house clean. Do you need anything from us? See you next month. They're not like heavily regulating how I parent and what I do. They are present when I call and I need them. Sometimes not as responsive as I'd like or prefer, but they're not all in my business. I've traveled with my daughter. We've flown to Georgia twice. It was just me filling out a form to travel with her. It wasn't a big barrier. So you really, you know, you have, you still have your life and you still have your freedom. They're not like policing you when you are a foster parent. Maybe that's just my agency. I can't speak for other agencies I'm not in, but Seaman Society didn't make it seem like they were like policing me, which is another misconception that people have that kind of prevents them from wanting to be a foster parent. Like, oh, you're going to be all in my business. You're going to be all in how I spend my money. They don't ask me for receipts on how, the only time I had to provide receipts was when they gave me her cash allowance of $300 when she first came for clothing. So I had to provide receipts for that to to keep the $300. I had to show that I spent $300 on clothing. And that was the only time I had to provide receipts. Other than that, uh, the monthly payment I get for her, I spend it as I see fit. They don't ask me like, what did you spend it on? You ain't buy no formula for her. They're not doing all of that. And so that's a misconception that people have as well. You won't get rich being a foster parent. That's that's about to ask about that. Mm-hmm. it's a lie kids are expensive mm-hmm. you do not get a whole lot of money being a foster parent you get one check a month okay it's like I got a baby father that paid me like a little bit of child support that's what it's what it feels like I tell I tell my daughter all the time like you, you, you know the state is your baby daddy right now but you know and I'll be transparent I I get about 700 a month for her and and it's all regulated rate. It's not like a different rate for each kid. It's a regulated rate, payment rate. They are saying that they're going to increase it. I saw that there was some laws that said they were going to increase the payment. I don't know how much, but I get about 700 a month for her. And you got to make do with what you got to make do. So you you can't quit your job and be a foster parent as a job, as a career unless you got 10 foster kids. And even then, you ain't going to get enough money. Right. Enough money to take care of 10 kids. 
So, you know, different rates, there are specialized rates for children who have specialized needs. If there are children who have any physical or mental ailments, they get a little higher rate than a child that's deemed, you know, and labeled normal or, you know, has no challenges. So there are different things like that. But you do not get wealthy being a foster parent. And I know that's a misconception because I know back in the day, people was like, I bought my house being a foster parent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't buy no house with <laughs> what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I can pay a bill or two, but that's about it. So that's, that's, I think, three major misconceptions that I've learned through my process. Okay. So I think you hit a lot of points because I know growing up, you heard things about foster care. You heard your parents had all these kids and they were just sitting there living off these kids, taking care of them. Or you heard that the agencies were just nightmares, you know, like people, they either were all in your business. They weren't being supportive. They weren't helpful. So, I mean, I'm happy to hear that it's a different experience that, you know, that it's not all like just this terrible, terrible, terrible thing to go through. Because I think that 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 is a real widespread thought that, oh my gosh, that's just too much. It's just a headache, right? Like being a foster parent is too much of a headache. And it's unfortunate, right? Because all these kids need a place. Like there's so many kids in foster care and they need a place. But also remembering it is about reunification. And I think sometimes that's the pill that's hard to swallow too, right? Because if you are a nurturing, caring, compassionate person and you are really caring for a child with your whole heart, you you don't want the baby to go right you don't want that child to go because you they're now part of your family you know that your heart is now there rather they are now wrapped in your heart and so it's like you know that that might be uh, one of probably the not it's not necessarily a misconception now I mean I think that's, that's just pretty real um part of the process that might be a difficult pill to swallow though huge difficult pill to swallow and it's not a misconception it is a reality of it foster care and I will say it wholeheartedly foster care is about reunification and so I can only speak about my journey I knew that I wanted to have a forever child I I wanted to adopt and so I prayed on it and I said God you know when the child that's supposed to be mine comes then it comes If I got to go through a couple of children before then, God, then I am just a safe space for these children until my child comes. And I had to say very, very detailed prayers around, Lord, protect my energy, protect my spirit, protect my patience with the reunification process. Because that's that that shit, (laughs) for lack of a better word, is hard. You get a little baby that you nurture, that you lay on your chest at night, that you wipe their butts and their nose and you kiss them and you, you know, you watch them grow, you watch them meet milestones and they are attached to you. And then on the back end, you have a family that's attached to this little baby that is currently in their season of struggle and may or may not get their stuff together to the point where the child can go back to them. But you have to go through that constant cycle of trauma with the kid. It's hard. I'll speak on my situation. And only thing I can offer to people who are in the process or thinking about the process is just perspective. My perspective on it was nobody's perfect. Everybody is one choice away from a different story. 
And if I were a parent, a birth parent, and I had my child taken away from me, Uh would I have wanted the opportunity to do better to get my child back? And the answer was absolutely yes. Even if I didn't know how to take the opportunity and how to succeed in the opportunity, I would have wanted the opportunity Mm -hmm. to be offered to me. Even if I was a complete F up, even if I messed up every month Mm -hmm. and I was struggling with whatever trauma or addictions or issues I was going through that prevented me from being a good parent, I would want somebody to say, you are worthy enough to get an opportunity to get your child back. Cause that's the reality. Like that's what I would want for somebody to do for me. And so I had to have that same, I had to extend that same grace and energy to my daughter's birth parents and family. I had to say they deserve that opportunity, even if they don't take it. In my particular case, and I won't go through through specifics, but they the there is no connection to her birth family. I will say that. Mm-hmm. And so my case looks like it is it is fast moving towards adoption, but that could change at any moment. Yeah. Literally any one of her immediate family, her parents, anybody who is connected to this child biologically can come and say, okay, I'm ready to get my shit together. Right. I'm ready to see about Trinity. And then guess what? Then the case starts right back from zero. Mm-hmm. And then we go right back to case planning around reunification. Mm-hmm. Even if I had my heart set on adoption, even if for the past 10, almost 11 months, I have been raising this child as my own, even if everybody in my family has been invested in this child's life as if she's not going anywhere. The minute her birth parents come and say, I want to do what I have to do to get my kid back, we go back to reunification. Mm-hmm. It's a hard pill to swallow. It is scary. It has kept me up at night. I have been worried about it, but I believe God. I believe in God's promise over my life. I believe in God's promise over this child's life. And so we wait. We wait until we don't have to wait anymore. We wait until adoption is finalized or we wait until whatever is supposed to happen for Trinity happens. I can't control that. All I know that I can do is give her love and be the best parent I can be to her while I'm able to parent her. And if it ends in adoption, then she's mine, as she always has been. Um, and if it ends in reunification, then I help the family connect back to each other. And that in itself is still a success. So hard-ass reality of, of foster care. And I just want to say that to people, especially people who want to do foster to adopt, because it's not promised. Even when you are in the adoption process, and I will talk about what that looks like, it's not promised. It's not promised until the the papers are signed in the court. That child is not yours until you sign the adoption papers and the court says she's adopted or he's adopted or they're adopted. Until then, you just can't, you can't even, you know, really put your eggs in that basket to say, this is what's going to happen because it could change at any moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... I think for me, that's the the hardest, Whew, you know, like thinking, that is tough. Even the thought of, you know, like Trinity is like, it's like, my, you know, that's my, that's a little bookie, right? Your little niece. And it's like, oh, no, like, and I'm not parenting her. Right. So the thought of that is like, no, for me. So I can imagine kind of that weight that's there of like, oh, you know, there's a possibility. But at the same time, knowing 
that you're doing a good thing for someone else who couldn't do it, for another family that couldn't do it. So since you already mentioned it, what, what does the process look like to foster to adopt? How is that, how does it differ and kind of what does that look like? So as far as my research, because I'm currently in it, what I research is when it's a typical case, and there's no such thing as a typical case, but when it's a case where the parents are involved in some capacity, meaning they show up for a visit, whether they are consistently showing up or infrequently showing up, they are in contact with the agency, then the parents have a care plan. So the parents themselves are also clients. The child is a client, the parents of the child are clients, and they have to to meet certain goals in order to get their kids back, whatever their particular situation may be. So if it's a situation that's involving substance, then of course they have to stay clean, remain clean, and go to treatment. If it's a situation involving some mental health issues, they have to be in treatment and and be medicated and and show consistency in that. And they also have to go to parenting classes. So they're required to go through certain parenting classes or anger management classes or whatever the situation is that ACS deems is necessary for their case. They also have representation. So my daughter has medical representation. She has her own LPN. She has her own lawyer. The parents are also granted a lawyer through ACS. And and so they have their own case. They have to comply in the case. It is the foster care agency's job to to follow the case and make sure that they're compliant. It's the caseworker's job to follow the case. Mm -hmm. The caseworker has to readily report back to ACS and back to the court. The parent showed up. The parent didn't show up. The parent completed a program. The parent didn't complete a program. The parent missed five visits. The parent comes to the visits all the time. When the parent came to the visit, the parent grabbed the child, cussed the child, hit the child, threatened the child, threatened the foster parent. The parent is great. The parent is ready. So you, it's an ebb and flow of the parents doing their part, the foster parent making the child available to the birth parents. So it's a lot of your schedule doesn't matter. They really don't <laughs> consider it. It's like, they'll ask you, does this work? But if that's what the agency and the parent work out, you got to work around that schedule. So if the visits are set for Wednesdays at two, because that's when the parent can come, you got to get that child there Wednesday at two, mm-hmm. which is why they tell you to have at least two backup babysitters in case you are unable to do so. If you get a little infant and that little infant is being breastfed, you may have multiple visits a day with the birth mom to get the baby breastfed. Oh, wow. People don't know that. No. Because they want to keep connection with the birth parents. Mm-hmm. They want reunification. So... Think about that if you want to get a little baby, a little infant, because that may be something that you would now, you would have multiple visits in a week. You wouldn't just have one visit a week or one visit a, or two visits a month. You would have multiple visits in a week, the younger okay. the child is, depending on the case. And it's all very case specific by case by case. They also do sibling visitation because they want to reunify families, not just birth parents and the child, families. So if your child has brothers and sisters that are also in the system in other foster homes or they're adopted by other individuals, they have rights to visitation. They also have rights if you're like Trinity is, uh, I think, the youngest of three or four. 
something around like I think she has three or four other siblings and her other siblings are either in care or and or adopted. So if the woman who adopted her sibling says that she wants to adopt Trinity, they have to consider her because they want to reunify families, keeping siblings together. Okay. She's not guaranteed to get Trinity, but it's a consideration that they have to consider. And so when the case is set up and the parents are doing what they're supposed to do, it's usually between 12 and 18 months that they talk about reunification. It doesn't really happen before then, from what I researched. But if the parents are MIA completely, meaning never been in contact with the agency, never showed up for visitation, have not, like they're in the wind, like you can't even find a parent, that expedites the process a little bit. And so that's my current situation. I have never had a visit with Trinity's family, father, mother, and no other immediate family members like grandparents. Never had a visit, never had any contact. The agency is looking and, and trying to find them. And so that expedites moving the case along because it's considered abandonment after six months. Mm. However, if six months and a day happened and then the parents showed up like, oh, here we are. Then the case goes back to, to, to day one, where they case plan with the parents and give them an opportunity for reunification. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you get to the point where parents are not really compliant or not really able to take their children back or just MIA in my case, you get to the point, and this is all legal, where a TPR process starts, termination of parental rights starts. Mm-hmm. And the child's lawyer will file it in court with the court. And you do have regular court meetings. They meet in court like once a month. And so when it gets to the time in the care plan where it's like, okay, it's been 18 months and and the parents ain't got their stuff together, or it's been 12 months and the parents ain't got their stuff together, or it's been six months and there has been no parent activity, we're going to move towards TPR. It's filed in the court. It is a legal process. That takes time. So they have to file it and they have to serve the parent and let the parent know we are planning to terminate your parental rights. The parents have an opportunity to get legal counsel and they are assigned legal counsel ACS to fight the termination or they can agree to it. They can surrender. And so they got to serve the parent. It goes to the court. If and when it's finalized, the child is now free to be adopted. It frees the child up because the parents' parental rights have been terminated. At that point, then the adoption process begins where if you are the foster parent for that child, they'll come back to your house. It's like it starts all over again. The home finder comes back to your house and now approves your home as an adoption home. You have to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork for that and you have to go through the legal process. And I'm not really too sure what that looks like because I'm not there yet. And then you go to court and they deem the adoption approved. Hopefully nobody else steps up that has claim to the child mm-hmm. and gets in the way of that process. If not, then the court has to deem who, who's appropriate for the child. And they, they take things into consideration, of course. You know, they don't want to uproot the child. They don't want to rip a child from security. So they take things into consideration. But, you know, it... It, again, there is no guarantee until it's done. And that's what I can say for people who are interested in the foster to adopt process. And it takes 
years. I've been looking on social media. I've been reading posts. I've been reading articles. There are kids in foster care four years before they're adopted, five years before they're adopted. It depends on the court system. It depends on the back and forth with the parents. It depends on if the parents, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. I want my kids. I don't want my kids. I want to do this. I don't want to do it. It depends on a lot of different things. So, you know, I am just shy of a year. And I am at the process of where the TPR was filed. Not approved, not complete because they can't serve the parents. So I'm at the process where it was filed and now we got to wait for the courts to move along. That's where I'm at. So two questions while you were speaking, I kind of popped into my head. When the adoption, let's say, God will, the adoption process goes through is the agency now no longer involved? They support, they have adoption services in, in, in the agency. It's like, a, it's like different departments. So you move from the foster to the adoption side. You can still get stipends for children who are adopted. So you will still get monthly, uh, monthly stipends. I don't know if that changed. I don't know the, the amount, if it changes or whatnot. I think you get it up until they are 18, I think. And there is services for adoptive parents, but a lot less. Mm-hmm. Now all of the medical is under me. She'll have to go into my medical insurance. They don't cover her. Like right now she's under, you know, their medical insurance. All the medical stuff goes under them. So that stops. There'll be a lot less coordinating of services for her because she's now my kid, my child, you right. know, fully adopted. But they do offer a limited amount of support as far as I, as far as I've been told. Okay. And I know you said that your house was approved for zero to two. So what happened (laughs) after she turns two years in a day? They want her, well, it's not like you got to move up out of here. They want, so I wouldn't be able to take another placement. Like if she, you know, they would say, they would come and be like, you have to transition her out of the crib. She'd have to have a better home. You, they would they would recommend you need more space, but they wouldn't remove her because I I wasn't in a two bedroom. Oh, okay. So you have to accommodate her and make sure that she had her own sleeping space and make sure that she had her own bed that was suitable for a toddler and she wasn't still in a crib. But I wouldn't be able to take another placement. So if I wanted to like, oh, I want to help another kid, you you don't have the space. So I wouldn't be able to take another child in. And it's also with like boys and girls. Like if you had two little girls, they could share a room. If you had a boy and a girl, you wanted to take a placement and it was a boy and a girl, they would have to have separate space if they were a certain age. And, and the agency will break that down to you and explain that to you. But they wouldn't like come and snatch a child. Oh, she's three and you in a one bedroom, we're going to take her away. No, they would, they would want you to make the space that you have to accommodate a growing child. Okay. I mean, because, you know, we live in New York City. Everybody ain't got... Right, room, room, right. Got the coin to switch up and right. That's a concern. Right. to more space. Right, right, right. Okay. But I say, I all in, in all things, agency, ask the person, ask your home finder. Well, what happened? You know, I ain't gonna be able to move up out of here. So when they get older, what it look like? Can you know? Is the living room suitable? Can I tra- transition that and make that their own space? How does that work? And they'll tell you. They'll tell you what what's appropriate, and what's acceptable, and what's not. You know, ask your caseworker if you if you're in a certain setting, if you're in a certain home, ask them. You know what what happens when you get to that point. Okay. So what home has to be approved every year? I forgot to mention that. Okay. You have to you have to be recertified every year. You have to be relicensed every year. Oh, and I forgot to mention you have to do 
throughout the year, a certain amount of trainings. I believe it's 17 hours of parent trainings and they do one hour trainings throughout the year. Like they offer like three or five a month. My agency offers about five a month. You have to do required trainings throughout the year to keep your license in good standing. I forgot to mention that. That's also a requirement. Okay. That's pretty expensive. I mean, I didn't know that it was really that rigorous, essentially, Mm -hmm. you know? So you got to really be invested. I'm like, speaking of which, am I on track? Because <laughs> my license is about to renew. I'm like, right. I got to call somebody and check on my training. No, I'm, I think I'm on track. But yeah, you got to, you have to do ongoing trainings. Like they, they do an LGBTQ one. They do one around trauma. You have to do ongoing trainings um, throughout the year. Sounds like it would be good information to know regardless, especially as a mental health professional. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So... I guess what would be some key takeaways that you can give someone who is considering fostering? What are some things you think what you want? Yeah. Let's phrase it like this. What are some things you wished you knew prior? Right. Mm -hmm. And then what are some key takeaways for anyone who would want to foster? I wish I had had the opportunity to meet and talk to more seasoned and they they did invite at the very end of our class a woman who had been a foster parent for like 25 years but I wish I had someone throughout the process to call on when things when I just didn't have the answer to things I've joined a lot of groups online I've done my own individual research I really recommend that don't jump into this process without doing your research ask a lot of questions of your agency Mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions around their expectation of you and be clear on your expectation and learn how to advocate. You are not bothering somebody if you got the call five times mm-hmm. to get the answer that you need for your kid. Like, I think that's just a lesson for all parents. Advocate for your children and learn to, you know, be persistent when your child needs something. And you may have to do that with your own agency because your own agency may not be as responsive as you need them to be. But you need them to be responsive and give you what you need for your child. There are things that are sometimes frustrating. Like literally I had a home visit, home visit, it was virtual last month. And the caseworker was like, oh, by the way, you know, we, we reimburse for like strollers and high chairs and stuff. You know, all you gotta do is give us the receipt. And I was like, you know, my kid is 10 months. She's had a stroller her entire life. Like I don't got no receipt. That was 10 months ago. (laughs) <laughs> why didn't you tell me that 10 months ago you know and it's stuff like that it's frustrating like I ain't got no receipt I can't get no money back you know mm-hmm. somebody gave me the high chair I, most of her stuff was given to me so I didn't have to come out of pocket for a lot thank you village but I was like dang you it would have been nice because we could have got some receipts and got some reimbursement so it's stuff like that that's annoying and you hope that you get a caseworker you hope that you get people who are assigned to your case that have a caring spirit mm-hmm. that don't just see your child as a number that is the hope. But in reality, and I've always worked in social service, in reality, that's not always what happens. And a lot of times these children and these families are treated like another case, another number. Yeah. Um, because it's a burden on there. I've worked on, I've been on the other side where you got 18 cases, 20 cases. These caseworkers got too many cases, period. The system is very flawed. Understand the system is flawed. Yeah. And people in the system are flawed. And so you pray that you get connected to somebody who really cares and gives a damn about the kids that they work with and have a helping spirit and will help you. But if you don't, 
you better ask for somebody new. You don't have to deal with that. Ask for a new caseworker. Ask for a new supervisor. Or change agencies. Right. You can switch. You don't have to stay where your child and you are not being cared for and not getting service and it feels abusive. I, I read posts on these uh, groups and they're like, nobody cares about foster parents. We get, and I'm just like, I don't have that experience. One, cause I advocate like crazy for mine. And two, I've just been blessed to be connected to people who really care about these kids and care about, you know, their well being. But if you are in a situation where it doesn't feel like that, change agencies. You have the right to do so. You can change agencies with the child? Now that, I'm not sure. I think you can change agency. I don't know if the child can change agency, but it's something to look into. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask. I'll get back to that. I'm gonna ask that. I'm not sure, but advocate. Go to ACS and advocate because ACS regulates these agencies. So if you're not getting it at the agency level, go above the agency level. They are not taking care of this child at this agency. Because your job as a foster parent is to advocate for the well-being of the kid at all times. That is your job. You are to advocate for the well-being of this child. If it's not being done, it is your job to say it's not being done. And sometimes you got to say that about the agency. Right. So, you know, I, I say ask questions. Say be persistent. Have a strong village. I would not do this if I was just by myself. I couldn't have done this if I was by myself. And know that if it's 10 days the child is placed with you, 10 years or a lifetime, you are making a difference in a child's life. You gave them security. You gave them a safe place. You gave them love. And that's the the end all be all of it. That's what matters when you're doing foster care. So if you have a heart to give love, you want to see a child okay and safe, and you want to be the place to provide that for a child, I say look into it and and try it out. And I will give you this. I spoke to my mentor. She's like my second mom. And she told me this. And it really helped remove a lot of the anxiety I had around this process because I was anxious. She said, it's okay if it doesn't work out. You can always say, this doesn't work for me. I don't want to continue. Yeah. And that's not a failure. That's just, it's okay if you don't want to continue fostering. You can actually say you don't want to continue with a placement. You're not stuck with a kid when they're placed with you. I, I forgot to mention that. Place, some placements don't work. Some children don't work in your home. Yeah. It's okay to go back to your placement team and say, unfortunately, I can't continue to foster this child. Mm-hmm. It is disruptive to the kid to be moved again, but it happens. If the child is not safe in your care and you don't feel secure in taking care of the kid, don't keep the kid. Give the kid back to the agency. Let them find a home that is better equipped to deal with that child's particular needs. And you try again or you don't try again. Yeah. So you're not obligated to continue to foster. That's something else I want to mention to people who are considering it. And that really took like all of the anxiety away from me. Cause I was like, yeah, you're right. Like if this child, if this child comes to hand, it's just too much for me to deal with. I can always say this is too much for me to deal with. Right. Knowing that you tried, at least you tried with your whole heart. So. Right. Right. I said, that's my words of advice to people who are considering it. Research it. Talk to somebody who like myself or somebody who's in it or has done it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do it with your whole heart. Do it with a spirit of love and you'll be fine. Absolutely. I mean, I know I learned 
some things while just talking to you about this process. So, I mean, I hope others have, you know, picked up one or two things, or maybe if they weren't never thought about it, maybe they can consider it now because there are a lot of kids in need. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of kids. So many babies in the system who need a caring home. And again, you know, you can do it for as long as, you know, it is healthy for you and that child to do it. Right. 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 An important piece about it. And knowing that you, again, are trying with your whole heart. There's not some ulterior motive. Because you ain't going to get rich from doing it. I promise you. I'm telling you, you're not going to get rich. And it's work one way or the other, whether it's financially or right. not. It's, it's right. energy, it's emotions, it's mental. So don't think you're going to go yeah. in there, make a couple of dollars. You're going to spend a lot more, essentially. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And energy and patience, all of that thing. And, and, and I want to you know, encourage people to also, people love the babies. I know I got an 11 day old baby and mm-hmm. I, you know, I did. So, you know, one, because that was a placement that I could get was a young child, but also consider kids of all ages. There are children in foster care until they are in their early twenties, mm-hmm. still waiting for someone to say you're worthy enough of a forever home. Yeah. Um, like think about you when you were 20 years old and 21 years old. You didn't know what to do in this world without your village uplifting you and protecting you and giving you guidance and loving you. Those 21 year old babies, because they're still babies, they deserve forever homes. They deserve security and love as well. And so if you find it in your heart to consider fostering for older children because those are the ones that are the the most underserved those are the ones that are the hardest to place and the hardest to care for and then they need people that say okay I have space for you I have a home for you and I have enough love for you it may come with with different challenges because you know teenagers are crazy anyway but but it's a beautiful thing to consider so if you have the space and the patience and the love for older children. Don't just run for the babies because the babies are more headache. When I told my placement uh, worker that I wanted a newborn, she was like, yeah, but. (laughs) And she was real with me. She was real with me. And she was like, I'm telling you, you might have five visits a week. Because the babies got, they had more visits. She was like, it may be crazy. Like your case may be ridiculous. I just want to tell you, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. You want a baby, I'm going to give you a baby, but. Yeah. So, you know, ask questions, do your research. And just, if you have space in your home and your heart, please consider being a foster parent. Please. We need more foster parents. We need more people out there who want to keep these children safe and give them love. So please consider it if. If you are thinking about it and you're on the fence, I'm telling you, go over the fence, test it out. It has blessed my life. I have never been more blessed in my life since I said yes. I'll say yes to Trinity for the rest of my life. Um, I plan to foster again for anybody who is wondering. I plan to do it again. And and it's just it's been a beautiful experience for me. That's beautiful. And I mean, I, I've seen the joy that you've gotten from receiving Trinity and caring for her. I, I I feel that love. I see the love that she has. And she's loved by your whole village. Oh yeah. Included. She is oh, something else. That, <laughs> that's my girl. Else, baby. That's <laughs> she's love that she's full of she's just full of personality. And she really has brought some joy. Not only to you, right? Who decided to make this decision, but to everyone that you 
you encounter and therefore she encounters. Yeah. So, I mean, that is definitely something to think about for those who are willing to foster. Like, she's that child is going to touch so many people's lives. Absolutely. And it's like, they will touch that child's life. So it, it's, it's yeah. something that I think it is beautiful. And, and again, there's the ups and downs, but if you're trying again with your whole heart, it's gonna work out. Believe, believe, it's gonna work out. It is, and it, and it, it always works out for everybody's good in the situation. And you, you, the reward is is that you give a child love. That's the reward. Like at the end of the day, that's a reward. If you don't get nothing outside of it, you know that you gave the child love. So mm-hmm. I am opening up. I I actually wanted to say because one of my goals this year is to host regular events where I am promoting foster care, having conversations like this, mm-hmm. connecting to community, connecting with people who are either considering being a foster parent or are newer in the process and want to connect with somebody who's doing it. And so I'll keep you in the loop when I start to plan my events. Mm-hmm. But, you know, y'all can find me on social media. Please add me, inbox me, DM me. If you got a question, I am open to it. If I can share what I can share, I will, you know, I can't share personal information. I, I want to protect my child and her privacy and her information. But if I can talk about me and my process of being a, a foster parent, I absolutely will. And I'm just here. Like, if listen, you need some supplies. I got clothes. Anybody just had a baby girl? I got clothes sitting around here that she can't fit no more. I'm going to pass it on to somebody. Pass it to me. You know, like that's the type of village that we need to, you know, cultivate with each other and protect our children. Do it for our babies. Absolutely. So you just mentioned some things you have coming up. Are there anything else? Where can everyone find you? What else can they expect from coming from you in this new year? Oh, girl, it's so much. There's so many goals I have, but really and truly, I'm going to keep creating, keep writing, keep sharing stories. I got a couple of more books in, in the pipeline, promoting the books I have. I'm about to kick off some fundraising activities. Okay. I'm, I'm a newly formed LLC. I forgot to mention that. Newly formed LLC. Yes, yes. And <laughs> I want to host regular, at least monthly events when the springtime hits, spring and summertime hits. And so for the next uh, 90 days, I'm going to be, you know, reaching out to community to build some capital and build some connections. But some events I'm looking to host are artist showcase events, poetry events, open mics. You know, that's my that's my thing. But artist showcase, author showcases writing workshops for anybody who is interested in being a writer. I want to host some writing workshops and information around that. I'm also a life coach. I'm starting to take life coaching clients. I want to also do some group life coaching events and retreats, wellness retreats, and all of those good things. You know, there are a lot of dreams that I have and a lot of goals that I want to accomplish. And, and I and it, 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 more to come from Harriet Return and more to come from me. And so please follow me, follow me on YouTube. I drop some funny content. I drop some inspirational content and I drop some cute content. You can see Trinity up there reading books with me if you want to see that. And uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram just to stay up to date because I'm going to be out there moving and shaking and making connections. And if you want to connect with me, I I want to connect with community. I want to connect with other people who are doing, I want to connect with doers. So if you are doing, hit me up, let us collaborate, let us connect. I am ready to partner and get in in the community and build community. That's really what I want to do this year is build community. 
Yes, yes, yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for once again. I'm going to grab my baby. I'm going to show her off. I'm going to grab my baby. Okay, come on, Trent. Yes. Hey, girl. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Hi, little mama. Say hi. Hey. Hi, Trinity. Say hi, girl. Get you together, girl. You can't be on screen not together. You know, get you together. Look presentable. There we go. Hi, Trinity. Hi. 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 Hey, hi, boo boo. Yeah. Look at she like. Why you got? Why you got me on here? <laughs> Give me smile. Hi, baby girl. You making me smile? Come on, get the people listening. She like. Uh, uh, she like. Uh, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Not in the mood. <laughs> I was watching my show. This I, is she why sure was. She <laughs> sure was, and I just snatched her out of the swing. That's the right girl. I'm about to miss the part. Look, look, look. She like. I, I'm. I'm trying to look behind. The, say hi. Hey, baby girl. Say nice to meet you. Huh. All right. This is what she going to give. The queen of side eye. Side eye. Oh, yes. My little mom will be giving them looks. She... Okay. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm not interested. Thanks, though. No. Okay. Maybe later. Bye, girl. Well, bye, thank, bye. You, thank you so much for both of you guys for joining us once again. Thank you. Oh, you looking now? You looking now? <laughs> no not yet okay <laughs> thank you thank you again Iana. and you know we're gonna be on here again you know what i'm saying we got some things to talk about <laughs> we got plenty to talk about you know i and this first of all shout out to you and what you're doing with this platform you are consistent in dropping good content if y'all are listening y'all better big it up y'all better like y'all better share y'all better follow Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell your mama, tell your aunties, listen to the Oasis podcast. And I will always come back. I will always be a guest, right? Yes, you too, kid. You too. No, no. <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to get me to give you something. I'm not giving you nothing. Not today. Well, thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's Connection Corner. I leave you with bio, adoptive, foster, or step. It's not the word before parent that defines, but rather the love and the dedication in the parent's heart. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Oasis Podcast. I hope you were able to find something that resonated with you on your journey. Don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and YouTube. Rate us and leave us a review and comment on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and YouTube. Share your favorite episode and like us on Instagram and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, want to be a guest, or any show ideas, contact us at ajsoasis at gmail.com. That's A-A-Y-J-A-Y-S-O-A-S-I-S at gmail.com. Or direct message us on Instagram and Facebook.